Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. My friend, welcome back to the club. How are you today? Today is another one of those body and relation to creation episodes. Y'all know how I love these. I love it. I love how we work in sync with the earth, the light, plant life, animal life. It is all a part of God's creation and design. And it's one of my absolute favorite things to study. I recently read a book called The Circadian Code, which helped put some more of pieces of this together for me. And that's what I want to share with you today. So you know that I've talked about the importance of light in several podcasts and how exposure to natural sunlight throughout the day really helps set your circadian clock. It tells your body where it's at in time and space and triggers your brain to message other organs in your body about when to do their jobs. Ideally, you get some morning, noon, and evening light into your eyes and onto your body. And those receptors in your eyes and skin take in that information. As the light changes throughout the day, it keeps signaling your body about what to do. That morning light reminds your body to make cortisol in the day and to start making melatonin later at night. The midday light is best for making vitamin D, And that softer reddish evening light tells your body to wind down the daytime processes and get ready for the nighttime activities of detoxification and repair. You know what I heard uh, the other day, which is so interesting, that part of the reason some people might have high cholesterol is that they're not getting out into the sun enough and giving the body the chance to use the sun and the cholesterol to make vitamin D. You know, we need cholesterol and sunshine to make vitamin D, but if you're missing the sunshine part to activate the cholesterol, you might have too much cholesterol hanging around. So I thought that was a kind of interesting perspective on it. Um, So, but we do know that the light is so important for messaging our bodies. And it's a major reason it's important not to get too much blue light from screens, especially at night, which tells your body it's still daytime and to keep producing more cortisol instead of melatonin. It just confuses all of your body processes. But in addition to light, there are two other major inputs that set your circadian rhythm and signal your body about what to do. One is food and one is sleep. So we have light, food, and sleep. These are the foundations of our circadian rhythm. And when any of them are off, your whole body can be thrown out of whack. Every organ, every cell in your body has its own clock, has its own circadian clock, so to speak. And these inputs that we're talking about are the clock punchers. Light, food, and sleep activate your organs to do their work at certain times. And these organs have their most efficient times that they are meant to work in the day or night. 
Circadian rhythm, by definition, are the biological processes that happen at certain times of the day. So in Latin, circa means around or approximately, and diem means day. So around the day, what's happening in our body around the day? And within our circadian rhythm, there are certain times of the day that are best to eat, to work out, to poop, to get your work done, the whole shebang. Today, I want to talk more about the metabolic part so that you can understand how to better program your metabolism to work at its peak level. So in this book I read, um, it talked about a study done on mice that showed when they ate their food within a time-restricted eight-hour window, they were more protected from the health problems and diseases than those mice that ate without time restriction. Okay, so they were... Both sets of mice were eating the same amount of food, the same food, and in fact, I don't think it was very good food. I think they purposely gave him some, you know, not ideal chow um, just to see what happened. And what happened was uh, the ones that ate within the time-restricted feeding window did not gain excess weight, and they had normal sugar and cholesterol levels, and the other set of mice uh, did not. And so that's interesting. So, you know, it really goes to show um, that that timing of when you eat is incredibly impactful. So those mice showed benefits from fasting 16 hours, right, and eating within that eight-hour window. Um, Now, on the flip side of that, more studies showed that when mice ate for 15 hours or longer each day, you know, meaning they have this kind of longer, big, wide eating window, their body acted as if it was they were eating constantly, like even carrying into the time they were not eating. So that's kind of interesting. And, you know, it just put their internal system totally out of whack. Um, but those, again, that fasted for 8 to 12 hours stayed healthy. So the optimum eating window, okay, for us is between 8 and 11 hours and fasting between 13 and 16 hours. Now, 12 hours is still good, okay? Like a 12-hour fasting window and a 12-hour eating window. That's splitting the difference, splitting the day right in half, and, you know, half of it being your time that you're going to eat and half of it the time you're going to fast. But the thing is, what this book said is that the health benefits start doubling at each hour you add on to that. So they double when you fast for 13 hours. They double again at 14. They double again at 15. And they double again at 16. Okay. The best results for weight loss happen when you eat within an eight to nine hour eating window and fast for 15 to 16 hours. Once you achieve your your goal weight, you can pull back on that and maintain within an 11 to 12 hour eating window and a 12 to 13 hour fasting window. Am I throwing too many numbers at you? (laughs) I know when too many numbers come at me, it scrambles my brain. Hope I'm not doing that to you. Um, But let's talk more about this eating window, the feeding window versus the fasting window when we're not eating, you know, and how we optimize this feeding window. I have done a podcast on this called Circadian Rhythm, Feeding and Fasting, and I'm building on that today based on the information that I read in Circadian Code. What I shared with you in that podcast is what I will reinforce here 
and that is the fact that eating in the daylight hours is best for your metabolism and that the later we eat, the more our metabolism gets thrown off. That is because the circadian clocks inside of your digestive organs are fired up to work in the daytime hours. And the later it gets in the day, the darker it gets outside, the more sluggish and less efficient they get. As the evening and nighttime approaches, your digestive and metabolic system is supposed to wind down so that your detoxification system can fire up. Because remember, at night is when you go into rest and repair mode. But the later you eat, the more you delay this process. When we eat, the process of digestion, absorption, and metabolism takes a few hours to complete. Even a small bite of food takes a few hours to be processed. So it takes about two to three hours from your last bite of food for your body to fully complete digesting and metabolizing it. That means if you have that dessert or a snack or, you know, grab whatever off the counter, um, something random off the counter as you're passing by it, you know, after dinner, your digestive organs that were, you know, trying to wrap up after dinner have to wake back up and start over. And you're asking them to work off hours and they're kind of grumpy about it. Just like you might be grumpy if someone asked you to work late and out of your normal business hours. It is not their ideal time to work. The food doesn't move through your digestive system as fast in the evening because your organs clocks have told them to slow down. Night is coming. So it sits in your gut longer. And in fact, it's one of the reasons you're more prone to get heartburn and acid reflux at night. Um, you also just generally do not regulate glucose as well because your pancreas and therefore your insulin are less optimized for nighttime work as they are for daytime work. And so all of this compromised processing means that more food um, is likely to be stored as fat the later in the day that you eat. Another interesting fact is that in order to fall asleep, your body temperature must cool down by almost one degree Fahrenheit. But when we eat, blood rushes to the gut to help digest and absorb the food. And this actually raises your body temperature. So, you know, you're hot, you've got food stuck in your gut, and you may have acid reflux. <laughs> this is not a recipe for restful sleep. You need to eat earlier. On top of that, your detoxification system has to wait for the digestive and metabolic processes to complete before it can really kick into gear. You know, so your, your detox system is just over there kind of drumming its fingers on the table like, uh, come on now, I got things to do. I got to get to work. Because remember that prime detoxification, when your body resets and repairs everything, happens during the night while you're sleeping. But eating too late eats into that process, okay? So you're getting less of that detox time. You want to try to wrap up your last meal of the day two to three hours before bedtime. And I know that doesn't always happen, but that is what is ideal. I know for us, we're in this crazy season of baseball and softball right now. And when we have a night stacked with games, I always eat before we go, even if it means I'm eating dinner at 4.30. Now my family isn't really on board with that, even though I might have all the food ready and offer it to them, but uh, you know, that's just too early for them. Plus my boys, like they have this insatiable appetite. 
um, as I guess they do at this age. And even if they did eat that early, they'd probably want to eat again when we got home. So anyway, they usually eat late. Sometimes my daughter will eat earlier, but um, we might be rolling in, you know, from the ball field at 8.30 or 9 and then them just eating dinner. Ooh, that doesn't sit well with me. And this is why, because the digestive system is just shutting down at that time of the night. So let's talk about the first meal of the day, all right? Because if we're trying to eat dinner two to three hours before bedtime, that is naturally going to shift our eating window earlier in the day. Again, during these daylight hours, we want to think of our eating window within the bookends, within the parentheses of the daylight hours, okay? Now, one thing I always like to point out is that this does shift seasonally because daylight is longer during the summer and shorter in the winter. So it is natural to have a longer feeding window in the summer and a shorter one in the winter, which means it's natural to fast less in the summer and more in the winter. Again, our bodies are wise to all of this because of the input of light, but regardless, it's still best for our feeding window to be within those daylight hours and to finish our last meal or drink two to three hours before bed, okay? Um, really before the sun is fully down and dark. And we do need to, you know, do keep in mind that, you know, if you're sitting around drinking wine in the evening, that's going to delay this process as well. So we want to take all of this information into account when we consider what time we're going to break our fast. Our body becomes ready to deal with food in the daylight hours. And so we need to consider these three things. What time we're going to break our fast, the length of our feeding window, and what time we need to stop eating, you know, like I said, ideally before it's completely dark outside to optimize the digestive and metabolic process. Now, I usually eat my first meal of the day at around 9am. That's a pretty consistent time for me, you know, give or take 30 minutes. Well, it would usually 30 minutes after it might be between nine and 10. But that's really when I um, am pretty consistent about eating my first meal. And this book does say it's a good idea to do that to get in a regular routine of eating your first meal at the same time each day. And ideally, it is better for that eating window to start earlier in the day, rather than later. Now, I don't want you to freak out if you're someone who breaks your fast later in the day, like at 11 a.m. or noon or something like that. If it's working for you, great. If you're getting a good fast in, great. This book does confirm that any schedule you follow is better than no schedule at all. And you can still get great results breaking your fast later in the day as long as you're not eating too late in the day. And part of the benefit generally of starting earlier, um, having your feeding window start earlier, is that you can end earlier if you're trying to keep that eating window somewhere between 8 to 11 hours. If you don't break your fast until noon, you may have to have an even shorter eating window than that, right, to get in before dark. Now, another thing this book does is get more definitive about what breaks a fast. So here, what I've always shared with my feast of fasters is that the truest fast, the truest form of a fast is just water. Okay, but we can still get amazing fasting benefits, even if we include coffee, and even if we include coffee with a little something something in it. 
all right? Now, you don't want to load your coffee up with a bunch of chemical-filled creamer or sugar, but you can get away with a little bit of creamer that is mostly fat and no carb. You know, the reason is that when you wake up in the morning, you are in a fat-burning mode, right? Your body has burned through a lot of its glycogen, which is stored sugar, And remember that the body is always going to prioritize burning sugar before fat, okay? But what's great about fasting and fasting overnight is that your body has gone through most of that sugar and has the chance to start burning fat. And so when you wake up, we want to play off of that, okay? If you wake up and start drinking your coffee with a bunch of carbs and sugar, then your body gets out of its fat-burning groove, right? And, and starts burning that sugar. But if you have mostly fat in your coffee, like full fat coconut milk or having whipping cream or a little butter or something like that, your body will still use that as energy, but you're still giving it the signal to burn fat. Does that make sense? In either scenario, your body pauses fat burning to utilize the energy, the calories coming in from your coffee but it will go back to burning your stored fat because it's going to go through what's in your coffee relatively quickly and still need fuel if there's not food coming in. Um, I hope that's making sense. You know, so with the way that our body burns and uses energy is that, you know, when you eat, that is the energy your body will use, the calories. Remember that calories are just a measure of energy. And so your body will use that. And then whatever it doesn't need in the moment, it's going to store as um, glycogen, it will store it in your, uh, in your liver or your muscles and whatever, when those storage tanks are full, it will store it as fat. Okay. And so when there's no food coming in, um, your body is going to burn through that sugar, that stored sugar first, and then it's going to start burning fat. But when you eat or when any energy or calories come in, your body's going to eat that, that available energy, Right. So that's what we're kind of talking about here. Um, but and so what what I try to um, help my feast of fasters do, because in feast of fast, our primary uh, physical goal is metabolic flexibility, training the body to be able to burn both carbs, sugar, and fat. And so when we are in that training, one thing we want to do is play off of that take advantage of that overnight fast when the body has been, um, you know, burning fat, right? And we want that bo- the body to keep recognizing fat as fuel. And so when you, if you, you know, you wake up and you, and you have coffee uh, shortly after that, and you primarily have fat in your coffee, we're still asking the body to recognize fat as fuel. Okay, so I hope I hope that all makes sense. And then on top of that, um, it's also why I recommend um, a when you do break your fast to have primarily uh, fat and protein at breakfast. Okay, because the when we introduce a significant amount of carbs into the mix, then your body is going to switch over into sugar burning mode. Um, and so the longer you know, when we're in this in this metabolic flexibility training, we just want our body to really recognize fat as fuel and get good at, um, at burning that. So I hope that all makes sense. But here's what the book points out and, and explains. It says that anything aside from water technically 
breaks a fast because it engages the digestive and metabolic system. Okay, and so even black coffee is going to do that at some level. I hadn't really heard it put that way um, until I read this book, but it does give us a more definitive explanation. Okay, um, again, anything that engages your digestive or metabolic process technically breaks the fast. It doesn't mean that you're not getting benefit or you can't get amazing results if you count your coffee in your fasting time right? Because it's kind of like a fasting hack, which is why the Bulletproof Coffee became so popular. There are still amazing results of fasting, even if it includes your coffee. Um, however, what this book goes on to explain is that the circadian clocks of your digestive and metabolic organs start ticking upon the break of your fast, which is anything other than water. It kicks that clock in the gut um, into gear, which determines when you produce hunger hormones, digestive juices, absorb nutrients, activate certain bacteria in the gut, and move waste. The pancreas, you know, gets kicked into gear and gets ready to secrete insulin. Your muscles are ready to soak up sugar. The liver gets ready to store glycogen, that sugar that's used for later, um, and, and send fat off for storage. Once you punch the clock on these systems by breaking your fast, your digestion and metabolism are primed to work for the next 10 to 12 hours or so, okay? So even if you are technically breaking your fast, you know, at 6.30 or 7 in the morning with your coffee, you still have 10 to 12 hours of good digestive um, and metabolic capability. And if you're shooting for a 12-hour eating window and fast or even a tighter, shorter eating window and fast, you're going to be good to go. Again, we want to wrap up our eating before it's totally dark, a few hours before bedtime. Um, anyway, so when we think of this, it all starts kind of making sense when it comes together. I want to dive in a little bit more on the digestive process. Um, in the book, it says, almost every aspect of eating from craving food or feeling hungry to digestion and elimination occurs occurs according to a strong circadian timing. And eating the wrong foods at the wrong time not only disrupts the digestive clock, but creates disease and chronic illness. Now, one super fascinating aspect of this circadian um, rhythm is your gut microbiome. You know, the different bacteria in your gut have different functions and digest different types of nutrients. You know, a lot of our food, in case you you know, I think I've shared this before, but a lot of our food is broken down by our bacteria. And without all the right bacteria, we cannot fully digest our food. That is one big reason it is so important to have good, helpful bacteria and a diverse population of it in your gut. Some bacteria like to feed on protein, some on fat, some on carbs, and each maintains its own eating and fasting rhythm. So your bacteria have their own eating and fasting rhythm. Now, if we don't have that good bac bacteria to help digest our food and we have incomplete um, digested food particles in our body, that can trigger inflammation, cause leaky gut, and trigger food sensitivities. And another thing to know is that our gut lining gets repaired between meals and during the night. Okay, so that's why we, do, we need some space in between meals. We don't be eating all day long. Um, and also, we need to um, get that good sleep. 
um, at night and have detoxification time and also that repair time. Growth hormone is secreted from the brain and acts on the gut lining to repair itself. But you got to get sleep to get all that happening. And poor sleep can also shift the microbiome to a state that encourages obesity. In one study I read about in this book, when fecal matter from jet-lagged people was placed into mice, the mice became obese. But fecal matter from healthy people did not trigger the mice to become obese. Isn't that interesting? And another study showed that one set of bacteria flourished when the mice ate and one set flourished when the mice fasted. So again, um, you know, bacteria have their own um, kind of, you know, rhythm that they go along with as well, their circadian rhythm. The composition of your gut microbiome changes with the day and the night. Um, you know, some of these little buggers are day workers and some are night workers. And when they're out of their circadian rhythm, it negatively impacts health. Now, one of the most powerful ways to maintain a strong circadian rhythm, as far as the f food input goes, um, you know, we always need to consider light and sleep too. But as far as the food part goes, um, is eating at the same time of the day, especially that first meal, like I was saying earlier. Because even though, you know, your coffee may set off the clocks of your digestive and metabolic organs, the food is going to really ground that into place. So even if you're breaking your fast closer to noon, your body will get into its rhythm and better anticipate when to really kick in all of the gastric juices and enzymes and call in the bacterial troops and do all the things. Your body uh, does get used to eating at the same time and your organs get used to processing food at the same time each day. Uh, and that's why when you have a disruption in your schedule, you know, like if you have to leave extra early one morning or you're traveling, especially across time zones, or you're on vacation and your schedule is different, your internal clocks can get confused. And that's why a digestion is often off, you know? I mean, hello, can you say vacation, constipation? <laughs> Yeppers, that's one big reason. Um, your ideal circadian rhythm time for pooping is in the morning. Like, um, gosh, I wish I had the chart. There's a chart in the book that tells you all of the good times for everything throughout the day. And your ideal poop is in the morning, you know, like uh, 6.30 to 7 or some, you know, 8.30, something like that. And your ideal time for a hard workout is actually later in the afternoon. Does It does encourage some movement in the morning but those hard workouts later in the afternoon. Um, but you know, you know how when you go out of town and everything's off, you're eating and your sleeping schedule, you're, you know, you're not, maybe you're not working out, you know, as much, it just gets thrown off. Even on the weekends, when our schedule's more lax, but different from the week, that can kind of throw us off. And, you know, when you stay up later on the weekends, you know, maybe you're watching movies or maybe you're hanging out with friends, um, the book calls this social jet lag, you know, like it's not actual um, travel jet lag and you're not moving across time zones, but you are disrupting your time zone when you stay up late and eat at different times and all that. So consistency in your eating and sleeping times is really helpful in maintaining a strong circadian rhythm, which in turn, you know, helps our uh, metabolism and also helps prevent chronic disease. 
Um, you know, you always hear that when it comes to health and weight loss and changing your body composition, that food is the biggest part of it. And that is the truth. It is not exercise, even though exercise is awesome. It is your food input that is the biggest game changer. But sleep is right up there with it. And more people are understanding that as more science comes out. You know, although God made that pretty clear in the beginning that rest is important. And as we move into the future, you will hear more about the importance um, of sunlight. I will for sure keep preaching and teaching it here. But the sun, the moon, the day, the night, also firmly established in the beginning, by the way, (laughs) you know, God is very orderly. And our bodies are created to have this orderly sense that works in sync with the orderly sense of creation. Okay, so here's what I really want you to take away and and work on from this episode um, to really help program your ideal metabolic rhythm. All right. Number one is to establish a consistent break fast time. Okay, whatever, um, you know, works best for you. Think of that time and try to make it consistent uh, on most days of the week. Then you want to aim for a 12 hour or less feeding window based on you know what your metabolic goals are Um, if you are if weight loss is a goal you want that to your feeding window to be a little bit tighter you know that 8 to 11 hours and then you want to the final goal here is to stop eating or to start your fast two to three hours before you go to sleep you know and if you can wrap up dinner by sunset that is the best. And so again, that apply, you know, seasonally, that's going to be earlier in the winter and um, later in the summer. And that's okay, because that's natural. Um, as always, do not let perfection be the enemy of your progress. Okay, don't make things so black and white that you miss the incredible results in the gray. Okay, when I give you this information today, I don't want you to overanalyze it in a way that impedes your progress. Um, But most of all, I hope that you just take away also from today just this incredible way that our body works in relation to creation. And just to thank God for this, you know, this incredible gift um, and orderliness of creation of our bodies, um, the gift of our body. It's just so super cool. So thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you find the information helpful and some good takeaways here, um, some action steps to move on to help your um, best metabolic rhythm. Thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.